You're listening to the Rising Lava Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Pace, a mom and behavior coach here to help you understand and support your kids' big emotions and big behaviors. All right. Welcome back to the Rising Lava Parenting Podcast. Today, we have one of my favorite Instagram accounts, Conscious Mommy. Um, I've taken her course even. She's an awesome, awesome resource on conscious parenting. Her name is Brianna. I'm going to let her introduce herself, but I'm just really excited to have you here, Brianna. Thank you, Lauren. I'm so glad to be here too. I am Brianna Capodagonal, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm an infant, family, and early childhood mental health specialist, as well as a perinatal mental health specialist. And I've been working with families with very young children for the last 10 years. And what really motivates me to do this work is, you know, I first got introduced to the idea of how healing the child-parent relationship is when I started going to therapy. And I realized that I had a really dysfunctional family and I had no idea that I grew up in so much chaos and dysfunction. I mean, I knew I was chronically anxious and like, like your classic people pleaser, perfectionist, like never stopped working, you know, overachiever, over-functioning kind of person. But I didn't really, it didn't really make sense to me how my upbringing um, impacted all of that within me until I started going to my own therapy. And that really, um, like most people who um, are therapists now, kind of made me feel like, gosh, I just want to be involved intimately in people's lives and support them and their relationships with their kids because I really believe that if we can shift what's happening in the child-parent relationship as early as possible, that it is, to me, it's the pathway toward really changing the world, to making the world a more empathic place, to making the world a more connected place, to making the world a place where that is like fully inclusive of love and understanding and celebratory of everybody that makes this world that we live in so amazing. Um, So that led me to working in a therapeutic preschool, working with very young children with like serious emotional and behavioral issues. And then from there is where I discovered, I think one of the most important life lessons that I discovered, we cannot change the child if we are not actively working on shifting the parents. That it didn't matter what I was doing with my three and four-year-old clients and helping them feel safe with me and giving them that experience of feeling heard and understood. None of that mattered at all. If the parents, if they kept going back home to the parents and the same trauma and abuse and dismissing and rejection and whatever else was happening there continued to happen. So when I began kind of branching away from what I was being trained to do and started focusing on the parents and their experience. That is what alerted me to, oh my gosh, these parents have their own history of trauma. They have their own experiences that have shaped them to see the world the the way they see the world and have conditioned them to behave in the, the world the way that they're behaving. And then I just, I started you know, many of these families were multi-generational families. So I was also interviewing grandparents and great-grandparents and seeing like, holy moly, these issues are cyclical. These 
are patterns that are just passed down from parent to child. And then that child grows up. And then again, from parent to child. And I love what Dr. Shafali says. She says, patterns keep repeating themselves until parents stop repeating themselves. And that really was a trans, all of these things were transform, transformative moments for me, but I was, but I've just been on a mission. We have to break these patterns. And the way to do that is to understand why we are the way we are and then shift, actively shift how we see our children in any given moment. And that's what I do with Conscious Mommy. That's what I do in my therapy practice with all of my clients. And, and um, it's a real blessing. I love my work. Wow. I love that so, so much. And I'm, I'm on a similar journey with you too. It's like, I feel like when I started my own therapy journey, that's when I shifted from focusing so much on child behavior to focus so much on parent health and breaking that cycle. Because I realized like I can teach parents how to deal with this behavior, how to do this behavior. But if we're not actively working on our own triggers and our own, you know, patterns and cycles, like we're just going to go back into what our subconscious mind learned when we were children. And so we have to actively first realize that it even is a pattern. I think that's like the first step is like, oh, we don't even know we're in a pattern until you hear something like this. And you're like, whoa, am I just repeating the same pattern? So I guess maybe that's where I want to go. How do you figure out if you are just following the same cycle? Mm -hmm. Well, um, usually, you know, families will come to me and they'll have an issue. My child doesn't listen to me. I tell my child I need them to do X, Y, Z, and my child is constantly defying me. And I'll say, okay, and tell me how, how do you react to that? And there's usually, you know, a handful of ways that parents react. So they either get angry and they fight or, or they get punitive or they yell or they scream. They'll kind of do something that's big and maybe a bit charged, we'll call it charged. Or um, a parent will retreat where they will get totally frozen by their child's defiance or, you know, aggression or whatever, and they will just get frozen and shut down, or they'll physically exit. They will, they will not be able to stay in the child's presence, or we'll see parents who hover and try to fix because they cannot tolerate the idea that their child might be unhappy with them. These parents really need to feel like they're pleasing their children. Now, all of these things. So, so how we're reacting is the sign that there's a pattern. So let's talk about, let's say a parent retreats. So I'll say, you know, tell me more about that. When you were a child, how, how did your parents respond to your stress? How did you see your parents respond to their stress? And almost always, somebody walked away, somebody slammed doors. I was put into timeout and I was, I was told I needed to be alone until I was happy again. I could only engage in the family if I were happy. Um, same thing with, a, with the people pleasing and the, the over fixing and the helicoptering parent. These, these parents often had mothers in particular who were way over functioning, who just got it right way too many times. So they never learned that like you can actually make a mistake and or be or like fail, for example, and it's not a problem like you can be with that and it's kind of okay to be with a problem. And so we will, I will connect for the parents what happened for them as children. And it's all, it's instantaneous to see, oh, I'm doing exactly 
what I, what was done to me, I am now doing to my child. And this then becomes the gateway toward understanding the child's experience. So tell me when you were a child and your parent walked away and slammed the door and put you in timeout and told you not to come out until you were happy, what was happening inside your body? How did that feel for you? Let's give words to that experience. So now we're kind of awakening that inner child who felt silenced and shut out and ignored and shamed. That child who is saying, oh, I just needed you. I just needed to feel somebody close to me. I, I felt deserted. I felt like I wasn't important. So we give words to that, which then allows us to give words and actually see the inner workings of our child's mind, the child who stands in front of us. Now I can see, gosh, I wonder, do you, do you imagine maybe your child might be feeling something similar? Your brain is only registering the defiance. Mm -hmm. Your body is reacting to the, because it's registering in a stress and your body is reacting to stress in the way it learned to survive stress. And that is how we are repeating cyclical patterns. So then we, we gain the awareness out of the moment. Then the next step is right. learning how to take that awareness in the moment. And it's practice, it takes time, as you know. It's not something that like you just discover and then next day you never do it again. It's more it's like slow. That's what my therapist says. Change is slow. slow. It's slow. It kind of takes a while to marry the mind and the body, right? So many of us are just disconnected, just talking heads and there's no real sync between what's happening in the mind and the body. So, so much of my work, you know, because, because children are, are very much in sync, mind and body. It's, you, you, we get conditioned to be out of that. So, so much of my work is bringing parents back to that center, that home where the mind and the body are really operating together so that we can better connect to the mind and the body of the child. And I see that as the great evolution of, the hum of humanity, really. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. So I love that you just touched on that children are connected to their mind and body. And I feel like there are just some things that we do as parents, probably just repeating a cycle and a pattern um, that start to condition these kids to not use their mind and body. So I think I want to go there. Like I wasn't planning on going there, but like, how can we help our kids? Like when they're like, okay. So I think, that, I think what you're going to say is like, be aware of how we respond to it. But are there some like strategies that we can use to try to connect our mind and body so then we can respond to our kids without separating their mind and body? Does yeah. that question even make sense? That question makes perfect sense. So okay. the first thing is always tapping in what is happening in my body in this here and now. The more you can do that when you are not stressed out, the easier it will be for you to access when you are stressed. So you have to, it's, it's really truly a practice, right? You don't get good at basketball by shooting, by shooting the hoop every once in a while. You have to go out, you got to dribble every day. You know, you don't get, you don't, you don't hit that three pointer every single time. If you don't learn how to hit that three pointer on its own, and then you got a little bit of heat on you, you got somebody kind of up in your space and they got to learn how to sink it there. That is exactly what this work is about. All right. The heat is the challenging moment. That's the child stressing you out. So you got to know how to, how to figure out what's going on in your body when you don't have the heat. So you can perform a little bit better when needed. And that is as simple as like, 
What's my eye, what are my eyes telling me is going on for me? Like, are my eyes really wide? Okay, that means I'm really anxious. And I'm like, I'm trying to take in a lot of information that probably means that my brain is feeling flooded. Okay, I'm not even gonna try to think about what is flooding my brain because that's not important right now. What is important is that I'm aware that I'm feeling flooded. So I think where a lot of parents get trapped is they wanna know the why. Mm-hmm. why. Why am I doing, why does it matter? I just want you to just simply be aware and notice that it is. You get good at what is, we'll figure out the why later. That'll kind of come to you in the moment that it needs to. I'm noticing my heart is fluttering. Okay, that's probably telling me again that I'm that I'm feeling a little anxious or a little too, too much energy. I need to feel a little bit more grounded. My hands are feeling sweaty or my jaw is feeling tight. These are all good signs that my body is ramping up and my body is wanting to get a little bit more grounded and more regulated. You get good as a parent at being able to recognize these cues within yourself. It truly becomes effortless and completely organic to be able to see it in your own child. You get good at not judging it within yourself. You get good at being able to be like, yeah, that's what's happening within me. It becomes effortless and organic for you to be able to do that for the child. Truly. Yeah, it's a it, the practice of non-judgment of, of the child starts with non-judgment of oneself and our own ways of being. So like I often teach parents like a mantra, like this is how I learned to be in the world. This, I, I had life experiences that told me that this was how I needed to stay safe. Getting angry was how I needed mm-hmm. to stay safe. Retreating was how I needed to stay safe. Trying to make everybody around me happy. And, and please them was how I learned to stay safe. This is me feeling like I have to survive right now. Okay. I'm going to love that part of me. And I'm going to invite that part of me to evolve and grow. I don't have to keep doing that. And I'm going to actively choose not to. I love that so much. So I'm writing down um, how I stay safe. You don't have to do that anymore. And honestly, it's like how we reclaim our power. And what you're saying is basically nurture that inner child is basically how we reclaim our power. It's not this big thing where you have to go make all this money or you have to read all these books. It's like just finding what isn't working anymore to keep us safe within ourselves. Like that inner work is just so, 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 so important. I love that. I love that. Okay. So I want to hear a little bit about maybe, okay. How many kids do you have, Brianna? I have two kids. Two kids. Okay. Do they fight yet? Not really. No, yet. Cause one's like a little baby, right? Well, he's almost two. Oh, so they, they're starting to have to. Okay. So one thing that I'm experiencing is, um, my kids actually do, do get along pretty, pretty well. Um, but sometimes there's a lot of screeching at each other or something. And that triggers me. Okay. So what I try to do with them is like coach them through the experience and do these things, but that's really hard when you're triggered yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how this can apply, like in a situation within your home where like, no, I feel like I do so much better when people are watching me of like regulating myself. Cause I'm like, I got to stay regulated if people watching, like, how can we do this in our home when our kids are fighting? Like, let's hear an example. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so let's say the kids are screeching at each other because one has one toy and the other wants the other, okay? And so now they're screeching, they're yelling, maybe they're even starting to get hands-on. And you're hearing that fighting. And let's say that you've done a little bit of work, okay? Let's say that you're aware that you grew up in a home where there was a lot of yelling and screaming and that the way you, the way you tried to feel safe when there was all that yelling and screaming was you tried to be the, the placator. You tried to like get your parents to calm down. You tried to do something cute and funny to get them to stop fighting. You tried to be the one to try to like kind of keep the peace. So you're gonna be aware of that in the moment. Ah, there's that fixer in me wanting to come in and wanting to keep the peace. Okay, where in my body am I feeling that the most? I'm feeling that the most in my heart. And what am I feeling in my heart? I'm feeling like it's, it's beating really, really fast and um, maybe even feeling a little tight. Okay, if my heart could speak, what might my heart say? Now I'm doing this. I'm, I'm thinking about these things while my kids are still fighting. I might be watching them to make sure they're not getting hands-on, right? Because then I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, I have to act a little bit more swift. But if they're not getting hands-on, I can take this moment to really check myself and notice what's going on. So if my heart could speak, what would my, what would my heart be saying? I think my heart would be saying, oh, gosh, I just, I want to, I want to feel more connected right now. I want this moment to feel more peaceful. Gosh, I just want more peace. Can I just have more peace? Okay, so that's what's happening within me. All I want is more peace. I'm aware of that. And now I'm gonna ask myself, and what is it that my kids are really needing right now? Now, I might have to recognize that we have competing needs. Yeah. My kids do not give a crap about peace in that moment. Yeah, right. My kids might be thinking about, <laughs> about the toy, yeah. but really even what's underneath that negotiation, learning how to take turns, learning how to wait patiently and learning how to tolerate one's frustration. That's what my kids are really needing right now. It's competing with my need for peace. So then we have to ask ourselves, well, who's the hungriest? Who do I feed first? Most likely in this circumstance, unless you are really like far gone in a 10, about to get hands on yourself, it's probably going to be the kids who are the hungriest that we need to feed first. So I'm going to go into to my kids knowing full well what's happening within me and being clear on what's going on with my kids. Hey, kids, I see we're getting a little heated. It's getting a little loud in here. There's a problem. I can see a problem between the two of you. Let's take a break and let's hear what's going on. Kid A, tell me your issue. Kid B, you tell me your issue. Okay, so here is what I'm hearing is the problem and here's what I saw. So now I'm giving the, the children an, an opportunity to build multiple perspectives. This is so crucial for healthy family relationships that we acknowledge that there are multiple ways of seeing the exact same thing. Honestly, like I feel like it's only in children, like when we're talking about children and parenting, that we get stuck, that there's only one way to view it. Yeah. You can go to a museum and only, and only look at a painting from one angle. You look yeah. at it from every single angle, up, down, left, and right, all the different ways to try to discern meaning of this beautiful painting here that you're looking at. And yet we don't give the same reverence to child-parent relationships and family relationships. 
So that's really becomes then my goal. But how can I do that? How do I get there? Well, I have to be aware of what's feeding my reaction. I have to be aware of the needs and things that are feeding my children's reactions. Then I can come in and be incredibly effective because really I'm more regulated. I'm more engaged. I'm present. I am not distracted with my own stress and my own triggers. I am actively holding both. And what I believe when children get that experience of having an adult who knows how to hold all different kinds of emotions at the same time, they get an experience of nuance and complexity in relationships that I that I think is really important to counterbalance how black and white kids actually are just because, you know, they, they're not developmentally mature yet. They don't know how to be anything but black and white. So it at least gives them a taste of the complexity and the nuances that we have in all of our relationships. Does that like satisfy your question and give yeah, you- Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I just like piggybacking on that. Like, I think if we went in the opposite screaming or yelling, it, it just reaffirms that, oh, there is a right or a wrong way. And there's no room for different perspectives because right. it's what mom wants and not like, I just think that's such a healthy model in so many other ways that we're not even acknowledging to come in regulated. And like you said before, it takes practice. You can't just be like, I'm going to regulate right now. And I'm good. Like never practicing, but like taking that mindfulness minute every single day and like practicing breathing and all, all of this. So anyways, I loved that example. That was really great. Oh, good. I'm so glad. And then of course, you know, after you, after you have a moment to hear and build these, these perspectives, then you, you work with the kids on solving the problem together. And that's obviously going to look different depending on the child's developmental age, but you know, that's our job as parents is to, is to really teach our children how to solve problems. And I think, when we see children as not objects to be controlled or, or people that must be in com- always, uh, complete compliance at all times, but instead partners who we are, we're, we're kind of teaching them the ropes in this collaborative and supportive way. When we do that, I, I really truly see the family life is less chaotic. It is more peaceful. It is more engaged. There is... Children want to collaborate with us. They want to work together. It's us who kind of conditions them in by making them feel like they don't really belong in the family or they have a specific place, a specific role to play in the family that I think really sends some, some especially are really like capable children. I'm going to call them our capable children, especially our really capable kids, man. Like they just really don't like that. They want to be engaged in the process. So I always encourage parents, engage your children in in everything that has to do with family life. You know, I love watching your videos of how you go out onto the farm with the kids and you you teach them about the the animals and and engage them in taking care of the animals. It isn't just, oh, I'm going to set you up with this fun play activity while I go and do all the housework. It's no children, you're part of this and let's do this work together because this is what it means to be an active and important part of the family. And I think more we can kind of wrap our heads around that, that our kids want to feel important in our lives. I I really believe that it does shift the energy in the home in a significant way. 
Absolutely. I think more on that too. Like I grew up in a home that was like, we do our chores and I, I had a great childhood, but I grew up in homes like we do our chores and then we can do this and then we can do this and then we can do this. And it was, it was like, mm-hmm. I was a piece that needed to get things done in order to get these experiences. And lately I've been trying to check that within myself because that may work for some families and that's like how it runs. But because I realized it was so cyclical for me, it's like, I have to do this because this is what mom, good moms do or whatever was kind of my mindset. And I kind of had to do like a value checks. Like what's most important to me, forcing my kids before we do anything, yelling at them, nagging at them, getting all this done. And then we go do a fun activity. And I'm not saying that was my experience as a child, but that's kind of like, because it wasn't my value. That's what it was creating in my home is like, mm-hmm. oh, you have to do this, this, and this before we go. So anyways, I, um, recently this last year have been doing this work with like, if my house is not clean, that doesn't say anything about my value as a person or as a mom, where before I internalized that and I let my outer environment say something about me. And so I realized lately that's like doing these experiences with my kids. And literally I walked over dog puke in my house the other day to go to a fun activity with my kids. It's disgusting. I shouldn't admit this, (laughs) but like, I'm just like, it can wait. It's going to sit there. It's going to be fine. It can wait. And I left and we did the fun thing. And then when we came back, we had played together, we had laughed together, we had connected. And then my kids were willing to cooperate and clean with me instead of me making them do all these things as my little minions. And then we can go. I, it just, it felt better for me. And everyone has to kind of check in with themselves of like their values and what it means to be a part of this family and how that looks. But I think I love that you brought up that I bring my kids along to do like the chores and stuff because I could just like send them out. Okay. You go get eggs. You go get this, you go get this, but like doing everything together while they're young has been a really important value for me and my family of like that cooperation, that collaborative, because then it bleeds into like behavior stuff. We collaborate when we're having fights, we collaborate when we're, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is like, check in with your values and like live it consciously as a lifestyle. It's not like a sit down and do this for 10 minutes. It's like, this becomes your lifestyle. That's so beautiful. Like we want our children to cooperate and we want them to collaborate with us. And yet so many of us don't, don't even know how to give our children opportunities to do that. Yeah. And, and this is really what you're talking about. What we're discussing together is just it's so simple. Make it a way of life. Make, make collaboration the way, not, not compliance. Not, we need to always be listening to me. Right. But instead, wow, we need to, we need to find a way to work together, honey. We have to find a way to listen together. Let's, let's work on this. Like what's blocking your listening ears. I ask my son that a lot. I'll ask him what's blocking your listening ears and he'll tell me, and you know what it often is. It's that I've been too busy for him. He doesn't feel like I've made the time for him. And so his listening ears feel blocked for me. Well, then we repair, we rectify that. And we find a way to, to, you know, fill his bucket a little bit more and give him a little bit more of that connection that he's really needing. Yeah. Which is also incredibly important that we see connection as, as vital for survival as water and food and shelter and safety. Connection is so critical. And then guess what happens? His listening ears turn on. No, he's not manipulating me. 
This is not a tactic of manipulation. This is a tactic of survival. Children want to follow parents who they feel safe and connected to. It's truly that simple, simple in, in, in theory. Now the work, the reason why it's complicated and hard to act is because so many of us did not have conscious parents. So many of us were raised in dysfunctional homes and many of us can't even claim it. We don't even know it. We don't realize the level of dysfunction that we face because, well, it was good enough. You know, my parents did the best, which is probably true in many ways. It's probably true in many ways that your parents did do their best and that it was good enough, but that still doesn't, doesn't, you know, override the fact that, you know, a lot of us grew up with a ton of dysfunction and it has had lifelong impact on how we understand relationships. I always talk about that on my thing. It's like, I don't want to like blame anyone's parents because I know that's really sensitive. I did this challenge within my group of like the rice challenge. And one of the days was like, write down some things that were hard for you that your parents did. And it was really triggering for a lot of people because they don't want to disrespect their parents. Cause even right there, that's something that's like so hard for people to function. But what I say is like, if we don't notice it, like our parents want us to do better than what what they did, what, if, if they're healthy, (laughs) they want us to learn and do better and find different ways. And, um, I don't remember where I was going with this, but I do want to say that, like, it's as, as hard as it is to realize that your parents were flawed. We are also flawed. And if we can acknowledge our own flaws and repair them, it's going to be a much healthier parent child relationship than pretending we're perfect and pretending that we're right. And you just must respect me because I am the parent. Right. Absolutely. You know, kids are going to, they are, they are our awakeners. They are going to remind us every single day of the wounds that have not yet healed, of the ways in which we are currently growing, and they are going to challenge us to change. And I think the sooner we we get on board and see children as our teachers, that's their job. That's what they're here to do. We're here to teach and guide them, sure, and to support them along their way. But ultimately, children, they are, they're really teaching us and us allowing ourselves to be open to that process. Truly, I find it's modern parents who are, um, who are really open to that um, or, you know, very evolved parents in, from the 80s. But the majority of, of parents who are, I would say, open to this idea that children are really here to, to teach adults a new way um, is m- much more modern, modern parent idea. It's such a beautiful thing too. And it's, it's so humbling. (laughs) It's very humbling. Um, Okay. So I think that's all that we're going to cover today. Is there anything else you want to say? No, I've just really enjoyed this. Um, You know, thank you so much for the opportunity. I do have workshops and things. Yeah, please. I was going to ask you, where can we find you? Tell us a little bit about what you do on, on your platform, as far as how we can work with you. Sure. So, um, you know, to connect with me in any way, you can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at Conscious Mommy. Um, 
I definitely want all of your listeners to sign up for my, my weekly newsletter, The Conscious Connection. It is so rich with deep, deep insights and it's exclusive content. It's nothing that I put on any of my, my social media. Um, I also do a weekly Q&A there. So it's a great opportunity okay. to submit a question and then you'll get a really in-depth response. Um, and then I have workshops and classes. My main um, flagship, cl flagship class is called Becoming the Conscious Parent You Never Had. Um, that's an eight-week class. All of my other classes are just single-time workshops that deal with a variety of things like triggers and letting go of our inner control freak. And I have a new one coming up, um, Raising Conscious Siblings. I have a Meltdowns one, all different kinds of things. That can be found at learning.consciousmommy.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brianna. Thank you. Hey friends, have you loved listening to the Rising Lava Parenting Podcast? If you have, please leave a five-star review, comment the things that you love, what you want to hear more about. Tell me how this podcast has impacted your life. Thank you so much for being here and share it with a friend. Let's change the world of parenting.